Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. Perfect. 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Red Cup Auburn Podcast. My name is Noble. As always, I'm joined here with my co-host Wheeler, and today we have a special guest, my good friend Holden. He runs the Instagram Auburn Loyal, and he's here just to kind of talk football, basketball with us. He's also got his own podcast. I'll let him kind of talk about that a little later. Um, But I think we can just jump right into it. Uh, We're going to start with kind of like a football talk because, you know, that's kind of what the forefront of the interest is. But so Auburn obviously lost the Citrus Bowl to Northwestern. Kind of a rough game, but I'll let Wheeler and Holden kind of start that first. Wheeler, what were your initial thoughts about that game? Well, uh, I think the end result was about what I expected it to be. Um, you know, we knew all, a lot of guys were going to miss it because of COVID or injury. Um, so I wasn't expecting a ton with the coaching turnover and having four practices. You know, Northwestern was practicing from the time the regular season ended all the way up to the bowl, almost having like a normal bowl practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I expected Auburn to lose the game. Uh, I thought there were some bright spots. I thought Elijah Canyon obviously was a really big bright spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought some young defensive linemen really stepped up. Uh, I thought the linebackers played a pretty good game too, as they have most of the year. Uh, a lot of people were cracking on the secondary. I mean, it wasn't the starting guys out there. You can't take away some of your best players and then expect them to just roll up and be just as good. So, all in all, it was about what I expected. Um, I don't think the final score really indicated how the game went. The game was obviously much closer for the people that watched it. Um, and it just kind of got away at the end. So I, I wasn't too disappointed. I don't think it's a reflection of next year at all. I think it was the least important bowl game Auburn has ever played in its history because I don't think we've ever played in a bowl game where the coach wasn't the same coach. You know, like yeah. we've never had a coach, an interim coach in a bowl game. So, yeah. I agree. Holden, what were your initial thoughts of that game? Well, at, we couldn't do anything the first quarter. We couldn't create any offense or anything. We had like eight yards, I think, and they had like over 100. And then on third downs, I think we were very bad. at. I think we were like two, three for 10 or something while they were like, we held them down in the, we held them down on third downs for like the half. It was like one seven. But then once the second half started, they started just pounding the ball on us. And our D linemen just couldn't keep up. Our linebackers did good, though. Yeah. I thought it was interesting because uh, this was something that we didn't really know was going to happen. But Daquan Newkirk and Tyron Truesdale did not play that game. Uh, Truesdale, I know for a fact, was hurt. I know I don't, I don't know exactly what was going on with Newkirk. I didn't see him on the sideline. I don't know if they were having to sit out because of contact tracing and just nobody – 
figured out to report on it, or I don't know what was up with that. But I do think that some young guys kind of stepped in and, you know, did a, an okay job. Uh, I feel like the defense didn't do a great job, but like we either said, I feel like a lot of the guys that were getting beat were guys who were kind of getting their first start and younger players. So, I mean, you can, you can live with that a little bit. Uh, I think that we can all agree that the bright spot of the game was Elijah Cannon came in, had a really strong game, had a really good, uh, had a really good touchdown pass where he stiff armed a guy 10 yards away from the goal line and just, just carried him in. I thought that was a very, very good play from a young player that we haven't seen at all this year. So I was definitely encouraged about that. Uh, but I, I agree that the game was, I mean, it, nobody it's really cared. Inspired. Exactly. For, it was yeah, just for sure. Well, because you got to think like you got to, you're going to have a new coach. The news breaks that Kevin Steele is in all likelihood not going to be with the staff in the second quarter of the game. It was just like, so much crazy stuff was happening and Northwestern I I was sitting I was sitting in the Northwestern side and a group of Northwestern students came and sat two rows in front of me and before kickoff they're all buzzed up they're all hyped up and then this guy was just like man it just doesn't get much bigger than this and I was like oh man this is going to be bad because I was like these guys bigger than this I was like these guys are excited to be playing Auburn in the Citrus Bowl and I was just like it's just it's it's similar to UCF you know when we played them in the Peach Bowl whereas this wasn't Northwestern's national championship but this was a game that Northwestern really really wanted to win and it was just a game that Auburn just kind of was in like the Auburn that you players were, that Auburn really really wanted yeah. I think some of you could see from the performance some of the guys are just competitive people and they wanted to win the football game because it's a football game that they're playing in. But other guys have bought into this new mentality of, well, it doesn't count for anything. I mean, Big Cat said it in the post game. He was like, I mean, there were some guys that just didn't care. And I I don't understand that. Like there's, I don't do things in my life that I just don't care about, you know, like I want to win. If I'm playing in a game, why would you not want to win? Like I want to win when I go to the rec and I'm playing basketball. You know, like, I don't understand why you have a game and you're like, oh, I don't care if I win. You know, it's just, I don't understand that mentality. Um, I don't think Coach Harson understands that mentality either. And I think people with it will not G-Hall well with the new administration. Well, even with um, the defensive coordinator for Northwestern, he was on his 499th win. Northwestern won that game bad. We were just run through the motions that whole game. And, like, the announcers even said, this is their biggest bowl game they've had in, like, forever. Yeah. Well, I I looked up because all these, you know, all these Northwestern fans were talking all kinds of trash. And I looked up, I was like, what's Northwestern won? And I looked, and they've won their division, like, twice. In their, like, the, the equivalent of, like, Auburn winning the SEC West, they've won that twice in their whole school history. I was just like, okay, this is just two different levels of programs. But, uh, yeah, I do agree. It, it was – there were some guys unmotivated. Some guys you could tell wanted to win. Uh, speaking of to that – the guys that – like Jamie and Sherwood, who played exactly. He played injury. his heart out. He played his heart out. Jordan Peters, same thing. Played his heart out, didn't quit on the team. Like, there were a lot of Auburn players that wanted to win the game, and I think that they deserve – major props for not quitting, not opting out. Um, I mean, I I don't understand the opt-out. I understand some people opting out, um, 
but also I don't understand how Auburn's giving you all of this stuff basically to play football and then you're gonna just not play football like it I don't understand it but yeah I do agree with that but also like to speak on what you said like props to the guys that did it you know this is the year I mean this is this was such a crazy year it makes this year would be the most acceptable over any other year you know with a new coach coming in this would be the most acceptable year to be like yo I'm not playing in the bowl see y'all next year or I'll just go to the NFL or I'll you know, I'm, I'm out. So I think it was, I think it was telling that we had some guys playing and I thought it was interesting. You mentioned the uh, big cat presser earlier. Uh, you know, I, I kind of assumed by his social media and all that, that he was, you know, he was gone. He was going to go to the NFL or just be done playing college football. Uh, but in his presser, he didn't really sound super confident about which decision he was going to make. Obviously, you know, big cat's a mature guy. He's not just going to say as soon as the pregame presser, he's not going to be like, I'm out. But I thought it was interesting that he did not – he seemed genuinely kind of debating which decision he should uh, he should go with. And that kind of leads us into our, our next topic. You know, we've had Anthony Schwartz officially declared for the draft yesterday. Uh, Court Sandberg entered the transfer portal this morning. Uh, Matt Zenitz has reported that Seth Williams is, you know, going to declare. So you've got your two – two biggest wide receivers you've got your third option and Eli Stove who is from what I've heard from uh from 24-7 reporters he's not expected to come back so it's just kind of you know we're probably going to lose our top three receivers so what are y'all's initial thoughts about how the offense could potentially look next year I, I think that we have a really good young receiving core uh of guys coming back they're not super experienced but um Honestly, I mean, did the receiving core this year, like, excite you a great, like, I mean, if there was any position group that you told me, like, all of the guys that were starting or leaving, then I think if I heard the offensive line or the receivers, I'd be like, okay. You know, like, yeah, they didn't do anything all year long. So, I maybe they'll get picked up. Uh, Darius Slayton got picked up when we didn't think he would. Uh, a lot of reporters have said that basically NFL scouts throw out the tape on Auburn because the route tree is just so elementary and it doesn't favor your receivers at all. So best of luck to them. I can see why Elijah Stove would transfer or just do a shot at the NFL. He's been at Auburn for forever. Um, Seth Williams, I think on plays that he doesn't take off is a solid, you know, receiver can probably make an NFL roster. I don't, I mean, he's not a number one receiver on an NFL team by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and same with Schwartz. I mean, he's going to get drafted most likely because of his speed. Um, and I could see him making a run, you know, making a roster for special teams or being a receiver that comes on, on off the bench. Mm -hmm. um, so, but that being said, I think that the receivers next year will probably be about the same as they were this year. Maybe a little bit more exciting because of the new route tree, you know? Yeah, for sure. Holden, what do you think? Well, uh, Anthony Schwartz, I don't think had the season we were all thinking he was going to have. Like, yeah. even with deep threat, he wasn't getting the ball. Like, Bo Nix, nine times out of ten, was overthrowing him. So that didn't help his stat line with it and then Eli Stove I think he has the potential but Auburn's not using him the way he should be used because every single play it's either a wide receiver screen 
or a fake jet sweep. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, that, that kind of speaks to, to the route tree and it's just like the, the route tree has never been uh, super complex. I mean, thinking back uh, when we had in 2017 and really 20, 2017, 2018 too, it was either we were throwing a screen or we were just throwing a bomb. And that was kind of with Darius Slayton, that was kind of like what the NFL scouts were, were seeing. They're like, well, the guy is either running – he's either running a post, he's either running a go, or he's running a screen. So you can't really see how he's going to be, you know, in the NFL just by watching him in Auburn's offense. So I definitely agree the route tree definitely needs to be a little bit more sophisticated, and I'm hoping that uh, Harson will come in and kind of kind of revolutionize that just a little bit. And I know that Cannon is not as fast as Schwartz, but there's something for being said about being good at running routes. And everybody, you know, criticizes the Auburn route tree – that guy was getting open and making plays all day, you know? That's something that Schwartz yeah, really true. was not doing multiple times a game. So, I'm like, at some point, like, there are dudes that are getting open in the offense running this route, and you weren't getting it done. And so, you can blame the coaches, you can blame Bo all you want, but there are other guys that when you opted out, came out and balled out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point, I think. Um. But so, yeah, so looking at that uh, and then kind of going back, Court Sandberg transferring, not a big loss at all. He's, I mean, he was the third string quarterback. It's, he came in for the first play all season and he fumbled a handoff. I mean, I yeah. love the guy, but that it's just not a, it's not a big loss at all. You got Demetrius Davis coming in. Uh, in my opinion, I think he'll come in and become the backup. Uh, some people think he's going to be the starter. I don't personally believe that. You guys can, you know, give your opinions on that. But personally, I think Bo Nix will be the starter. Uh, there's the, you know, possible rumors of Tank and all that. I, I kind of just want to let that just play out and see what happens. Uh, but if if Tank's gone, then Bo will have a completely new offense, totally new weapons. The only thing he'll retain is the offensive line. That's not ideal, but, you no. know, at le- but at least it's like, you have guys that, you know, a lot of these guys that don't play as much as true freshmen. So if you look at, in all likelihood, the reason Xavion Capers played over all the freshman receivers, why he got the most playing time, were two reasons. He learned the offense the best and he could block the best. So you didn't have to throw it to him. You, he just had to know where he was going. He had to know who he was blocking. And so with some of these other guys, if they don't know the offense, well, that's fine now because it's not going to be the same offense. So I feel like it's like they're all kind of going to be learning the offense together. And I think that could kind of help them learn a little bit, like learn a little bit faster almost because they've got their quarterback that's learning the offense with them and not, oh, I already know it. And he's telling them where to go instead of kind of working out everything. So I think that could be interesting to see. But I'd like to hear y'all's opinions. I think having Demetrius will be good. Um, it's always good to have options because this year Auburn did not have a second option. I mean, Grant Loy, we've talked about it on the podcast before. I mean, he had a tear. He's just not a Division One SEC football player. So if he was in the game, Auburn was in serious trouble. So at least having two guys that could potentially be starters at an SEC school will be really good. Um I think having competition will help Bo. I really like Bo. I think he's going to do much better um, under Coach Harson. Um, something that I do think also will help 
is a lot of times Bo would go to the sidelines and I I'm sure it's just the way, you know, Chad Morris was that he was fine with, you know, confrontation and hearing the quarterback, what he had seen, but Bo going over to the sidelines and yelling at his coach just about every time something went wrong was not a great look. Um, And it was not a great look that he was yelling at his teammates. And I love having fire and passion and stuff. But at some point, there's like a respect factor that you don't yell at your coach, you know. And I think knowing that Grant Loy was the only option behind him, he felt a little bit more liberated to, you know, say whatever to the coach when he got to the sidelines. And again, I think it goes back to almost the the opt-out thing. I don't think Coach Harson's going to be a guy that's taken a quarterback, you know, yelling at him coming off the field. Just yeah. from his press conferences and stuff, he doesn't seem like someone that's going to take crap from a – you know, 20 year old. Definitely not. I think that might be good. Um, But again, I think Bo is a good quarterback. I think having a different coach, maybe a different offense will really suit him. And I think he'll have a pretty good year next year. Holden, what do you think? I think it's definitely going to humble him. He, he, but I do definitely agree. He does get in the fire a lot. He's all, you always see him right next to Chad Morris and they're just going, he's always going at him. Usually it's his, it's always his receiver's faults. If you watch the film, he's usually yelling at him. But with the new offense, I also think it will, I think they'll be able to combine together because now he can't, like you said, he can't control them and tell them exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. With Demetrius Davis coming now, you'll have to see, but he could run Bofer's money. Especially yeah, I mean- as a 6A. 6A quarterback that's won three times state as a sophomore or that one starting as a sophomore. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I feel like it's interesting because all these, you know, a lot of people are are speaking very highly of Demetrius Davis. And I think some of that is, is you know, well-deserved. But I think a lot of people forget that Bo Nix was ranked like 33rd in the country. And yeah. Demetrius Davis is in the 200s. So it's like, you know, part of that is, you know, if you're committed to Auburn your whole senior year, you're, you're going to fall a little bit. But I do think that people are people are acting like Bo Nix is just some kind of scrub that we just picked up off the street just because his dad was – just because his dad played for Auburn. Well, no, I mean, he, he, he was a top – I mean, he was a top 35 player, and he – I mean, Ohio State wanted this guy. Like, Ohio State was pushing – really hard for this guy because at the time they didn't have Justin Fields and they were like, we need a quarterback. We want Bo Nix down in Pinson, Alabama. So I think that's a little old telling that, you know, he, he's a talented guy. And I think that he just needs to find the right, the right team to, or the right offense to kind of build his confidence up and become the quarterback that we all know that he should be. Uh, yeah. And I mean, Bo was a baller in high school. And so, it's a different game when you get to college. I don't care who you are. You know, I mean, everybody struggles with making that transition. Um, and so I think it's really hard to come in, learn a new offense. Because, I mean, even though it's a new offense for Bo, he still has college concepts and how to handle work-life balance in college. Like, mm-hmm. there are still advantages, even though it's a new coach for Bo uh, coming in. Um so, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how Bo was known for his accuracy in high school. Like, that was one of his things. 
obviously at Auburn, that's one of the knocks that everybody has against him. Whereas I think Demetrius kind of struggles with his accuracy. Like he has a cannon for an arm. And in high school, you have some really wide open receivers. And so your passes, you know, are not into as tight of a window. Um, so I'll be interested to see. I, I just don't see Demetrius beating Bo out in at least for the first game. You know, it could be something where late in the season you start to see some movement or something if Bo's struggling. If Bo has the same year he had this year, next year, I could see towards the end of the year looking to make a change. But I just don't think at the beginning of the year, Demetrius will be ready to go and beating out Bo. But also, a lot of the uh, guys that signed with Auburn in the early signing period said that they haven't talked to Brian Harson yet. And really the only one that I think has talked to him was Demetrius. Um, so that means that, you know, Harson was high on him, at least when he watched his film um, and thought that he could potentially be a team leader, or at least a leader in his class. So, I mean, Coach Harson obviously sees something in him, but I just – I don't see it happening. Yeah, it'll definitely be, be interesting to see. Uh, but with that, all that kind of said, I think we can kind of move, kind of shift our focus to basketball. Uh, you know, Auburn started conference play – uh, a little under a week ago. Uh, Auburn started out with a 12-point loss against Arkansas. Uh, that was a game it was a, it was a strange game. We shot 52% from three on 29 attempts and lost by 12. You know I think that was uh, part of that was the 19 turnovers but uh, I'll just I like think a large and, part. <laughs> yeah and then uh, then two days ago uh, Auburn lost to Texas A&M a heartbreaking game. Shot 33% from three, which was not nearly as good. Still had a lot of turnovers. Uh, I'll let both of you guys kind of give your initial thoughts on those two games, and then I'll go. So, Wheeler, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I think Jamal Johnson has really stepped up this season. Mm -hmm. um, whatever he did in his offseason program seems to have worked. I think he looks a lot more uh, like he knows where to go on defense because that was really the issue with him last year. Is last year he could play offense – um, I mean, his shot still looks <laughs> really ugly, but I mean, it goes in. But now so, it goes I mean, in, so we don't yeah, care. I don't care how ugly your shot looks if it goes in every time. And on defense, he seems to have really stepped up. Um, I was happy to see Devin Cambridge, you know, <clears throat> have a couple of good performances. Um, a lot of people were starting to knock him. And I mean, understandably so, he was not playing very well in the non-conference games. Um, and Bruce even said that in his press conference that the break was good for Devin to get away from the pressure of everything and to just go back and be in the gym by himself and that he's already seen some improvements. So hopefully this is a start of a new, almost a new season for Devin that he's able to do well. Um, I'm fortunate that Justin Powell, you know, had a head injury in the first half. I think that probably would have changed the game. I could see Auburn have pulled that out. Um, if they had Justin Powell to kind of give him a boost. Because at some point, I mean, you just – you lose too many guys. And the SEC is a really competitive league, especially this year. Um, so I was happy that they were at least able to stay that competitive in the A&M game. Uh, the rumblings about Sharif coming back are starting to get louder and louder. Um, you know, potentially that he could be back as early as this week. Um, that would be really big because at some point, I mean, the NCAA just needs to make a ruling. I mean, you're starting to see lots of national writers and stuff talk about how unfair it is for Sharif 
and for Auburn, honestly, to just not know. Yeah, and to spend mm-hmm. practice reps on a guy that may or may not play. And I mean, it's it really is unfair. It's getting ridiculous. Like, what could you possibly be looking at now that you haven't seen? For I mean, how long is the the investigation started in like August or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're stretching four months here. It's really not that hard. Um, so hopefully they figure that out, um, and hopefully it goes in Auburn's favor. Of course. Yeah, and just to add one quick thing before Holden goes, uh, what you said about the practice reps, especially when you don't have another point guard on the team, you know? Like, you're trying to split reps between your small forward and your shooting guard to transition the way that they play the game and become a point guard. Like, they need all the practice they can get, but the NCAA won't, you know, give a ruling. So that's definitely very frustrating. But When you're wasting their time at their normal position, if Sharif does get, you know – says, yeah, that he can play. Well, now you've got this guy who hasn't practiced being a shooting guard or a power mm-hmm. forward for, you know, three months. Yeah, exactly. It's a loss of reps for sure. Uh, okay, so Devin Cambridge definitely stepped up in the Arkansas game. Five for six from three. That's all he shot was three-pointers. But um, Jalen Williams in the beginning for the Arkansas game really came in clutch with his three-pointers mm-hmm. to get the tempo going. Because once he hit those, our offense, it seems to like we finally settle in once Jalen hits the shot from the play. But um, on the for the Texas A&M game, Devon needs to hit one three. He's still – oh, no, he did hit one three. Okay, well, that was his first three outside of um, home in his whole career. So that was a much-needed shot. Even though he went one for five, it's still a much-needed three-pointer. Mm-hmm. But Justin Powell over three, and then you have Jalen Williams going one for three. That's just not – That's we're not going to win with that. It's shocking we kept it that close, even when we shot 11 for 33. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that it was a uh, – the, the Texas A&M game was definitely a, a cool down from what we experienced against Arkansas. You know, against Arkansas, you saw – 52% from three, which is just unreal. Uh, I, I agree. Jalen Williams, Devin Cambridge, both of them had really solid games. Uh, but kind of to speak a little bit more, you know, Jamal Johnson has done a really, really good job this year offensively. Uh, he has been a much-needed spark off the bench for this team. I mean, he's scored 20-plus in both games, been the leading scorer, uh, back-to-back games. I mean, that's that's pretty good for being for being a uh, a backup, and I think that it it helps that he is you know really the only guy on the bench that really scores. You know, there really aren't many guys that don't start for Auburn that are really scoring more than four points a game. So I think that's something we need to work on. But another thing, you, know, you got Justin Powell who has really not been playing well. I mean, he didn't play well in either game. You know, he left the Texas A&M game with injury. You know, hopefully he can come back, uh, you know, how kind of closer to how he was. But, I mean, against Arkansas, he was one of eight from the field, 0 of three from the three. He had he did have six rebounds and nine assists, which was which was good for a team that really doesn't get many assists. Uh, but I thought that – I thought that a lot of guys played well and some guys showed some improvement. But I do think that another thing that is big that people haven't really been talking about – is, you know, we're not going to the tournament. You know, right now the NCAA has us at number 76. So even if we didn't have the postseason ban, there's no guarantee that this team makes a tournament at all. So 
I'm just kind of like, I, I think, you know, and I've talked about this uh, a couple pods ago. It, it's a, it's a year where you don't, you're not as disappointed at these close losses if you can see development from players and if you can put players in situations that they need to be in. So I look at the end of the game, a ton of people were hating on Alan Flanagan uh, for letting the guy score on him. One, that was a super tough shot. And yes, Alan shouldn't have left his feet, but the thing is that is a huge learning experience because Alan Flanagan hasn't been, you know, last year, if we were in a close game, needed a stop in that situation, Alan Flanagan wasn't going to be on, on their score. It was going to be it was going to be Isaac Okoro. If it wasn't him, it was going to be Samir Dowdy. If it wasn't him, it was going to be Javon McCormick. So it was just like, this is the first time where Allen is like, okay, you're the alpha on this team. You're the best player on this team. We need you to get a stop on their score. And so he did a good job. And if he doesn't, and if, you know, the guy shoots it instead of doing a second pump fake, then Allen sends it into the stand. So I think that it was a good – it and he had his help defense behind him. He was aware exactly. of where the defense was. So, real, I mean, honestly, the play was not that bad because yeah. you know that all of the Twitter warriors would have gotten on there if he didn't jump and said, what the heck, he doesn't even care. He didn't mm-hmm. even jump to block the shot. Exactly. Well, and yeah, and if Devin jumps, I mean, half, half a second earlier, he gets the block. Yeah. So, it's just like – Sometimes I mean, they make good plays against you. Yeah, and you sometimes, and yeah, they, make sometimes they just make an incredible play. I mean, that yeah. is a super tough shot to make, especially in crunch time, games tied in the clutch made that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Alan Flanagan played played 36 minutes. He was 6 of 11 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, 3 rebounds, 4 assists. I mean, he, he played a solid game. Uh, I, I just – I don't know. I, I don't really get why people don't don't see it in that way where it's like, well, we're not going to win, you know, have your guys be in positions that they're not used to being in and get better every day. Uh, I think JT Thor is slowly but surely getting better. Dylan Cardwell is playing a lot better than he was at the beginning of the season. Uh, And like we've all talked about Devin Cambridge, you know, you look at his stat line, three of eight from the field, one of five from three, six rebounds, two assists, three fouls, nine points. That's not necessarily a great stat line by any means. But for Devin Cambridge on the road in an SEC game, that's the best stat line he's ever had. And really scoring nine points in a game, that's one of the better scoring performances that Devin's had when it wasn't one of the games where he just goes off, you know? Like it seems like Devin's either scoring Mm -hmm. 25 or scoring two. So I think it was a little – it was better to see him kind of you know, score in the middle of the pack and play well in defense and, you know, have the confidence of seeing a three fall on the road in College Station. Well, um, one thing is that we finally shot decent from free throw. It might have only been nine, but we we finally hit the upper 70%. I know other games we've been shooting 50. Mm-hmm. So even though it might not have been that much, it was 77%. And then, like you said, Jamal Johnson had 20 out of the 26 points off the bench. Javon Franklin, zero, and Chris Moore, zero. And then Cardwell had two and Stretch had four. That's just not what we need points from the bench. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. I de- yeah, I, I definitely think Jamal has made – I would definitely be willing to say he's the most improved player on the team. He went from a complete liability every time he was on the court last season to actually this season being a guy that we look to for a shot when we need it. 
Yeah, for sure. That game winner, no, I, we went for him. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely think – also, Justin Powell, I mean, you watch how he was guarded at the beginning of the season when he was having a really good season – and he was being guarded just like normal defense versus now. I think there was the, the one assist where he kicked it out to Flanagan for a three mm-hmm. against Arkansas. And I think he drew all five defenders. The ESPN even stopped the game and did the thing where, like, look at this. He crashed all five defenders. And so, I mean, basically, and this is good coaching by both Texas A&M and Arkansas, is the most dynamic player on the floor is Justin Powell. He's not a point guard by, you know, natural position. So his handles, while they're pretty good, I mean, they're not they're not the same as Jared. They're not the same as Javon. Um, they're not the same as Sharif from what I've seen on, mm-hmm. you know, high school tapes. And so it's been, hey, go double, you know, double team this guy. Put some pressure on him because when he seems to get into pressure situations, one, he lose, he's not shooting as well when he's, you know, in super tight pressure and two he seems to turn the ball over a lot in those pressure situations so i i mean he's just a lot of teams are game planning for justin right now and so i don't think that he's gotten any worse per se they just are exploiting the weakness that he has of basically playing out of position and i think that's what they're doing to everybody that's playing point guard at auburn right now i mean they're trying their best but i mean part of what makes you a point guard coming out of high school is your handles that you have and so when you're not a point guard, you can have fine handles, but not ones. I mean, Samir Dowdy, great handles last year. And so that's been our biggest issue with the, the turnovers has been point guards bringing it up across the floor, getting trapped, and then just throwing the ball to try and get it to their guy and it getting intercepted because they're not point guards. So. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, you know, when they were like, oh, our shooting guard is going to become our point guard, I think a lot of people were thinking that Justin was going to be like Samir, where there's not really much of a drop-off, a guy with, you know, the same the same kind of handles as the point guard, but slightly better shooting ability. Like, that. that's not how – Justin Powell is less of a Samir Dowdy and much more of a Bryce Brown. Like, I know a lot of people don't really remember this, but Bryce Brown, his handles were good in one-on-one situations. You know, when you've got a shooting guard on him, he can dribble, kind of make him kind of back up. He can rise up and shoot it, or he can blow by, shoot a mid-range, do that. That's how Justin Powell dribbles the ball. It's good for a one-on-one, but if you have two people there, he's not great at getting off the double team, and that's fine. That's not what he's supposed to be doing, because if you're double teaming a shooting guard, that means someone's wide open. And so, and a lot of the time you see Justin Powell see the guy, which is something that he wasn't doing earlier in the season. Now he's seeing the guy, but he can't get the ball there. So he, the ball's a little bit off or it's a little over or, you know, he's turning it over that way, but he's starting to see that guy. And like you said, you know, when he's drawing all five people, when he drives in, that's what Sharif will do. You know, like if Sharif is here, but he's used to it and he knows where the people are and he's going to get those passes there. So I think that that's just like you see Justin who's trying to do what he sees Sharif do, and he's starting to get more there with the vision, but he's not there quite yet with where the pass is supposed to go. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting. I really, I I definitely think that if Sharif is, if Sharif gets cleared, it will raise this team greatly to have a true point guard who can get the ball where it needs to be, when it needs to be there. And, just let them play how they thought they were going to play, you know, throughout the summer. So, 
that's kind of my thoughts on that. Uh, but so that's about it. You know, we've talked about football, talked about basketball. Basketball plays Ole Miss on Wednesday, I believe. So hopefully we can have a little bit of the magic that we had last time we played them and hopefully get our first win in conference play. Uh, then we go back to Auburn and play Alabama, who is fresh off of a win against Tennessee. Hopefully they play more like they did against Western Kentucky and less like they did against Tennessee against us. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be ideal. But, uh, you know, football, this is kind of when – this is kind of the time period when you'll, you'll see the coaches – the people who are going to get fired are going to be getting fired soon. People who are leaving are going to be leaving now. People declaring for the draft are going to be doing it now. This is definitely a, a time to kind of be analyzing everything, seeing all of all the guys and who's leaving, who's staying. I think it will be interesting to see, you know, what juniors who have the opportunity to go come back. I think a name that interests me the most is Roger McCreary, you know, a guy who's projected to be around the third or fourth round pick. He's going to get on a team, you know, if he, if he declares yeah. he'll get picked up, but does he want to stay with the new coach and the new, his, he's probably gonna have a new defensive coordinator, new head coach. Does he want to stay and try and better his stock or is he just going to go ahead and take his money? I think it'll be interesting to see how all that pans out, but that's kind of it. So do y'all have anything else y'all want to add? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, thank you, Holden, for uh, coming on. Uh, do you want to say what your podcast is called, or have you started it yet? Or uh, it's I'll soon be started. This will be my first post on right, it. Awesome. It'll, it'll just be what my Instagram is, Auburn.loyal. All right. Everybody go check them out. Uh, and that's kind of all we have. War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle.